singing with the church is such a good gift, so thank you, Pastor Nick. Uh, just thankful to God for the gift of music. Thank you for uh, worship team, uh, able to just lead us and to do that, like to, to do like fighting. There's a lot of things we do in singing and, uh, and, uh, and, and fighting through singing, I think, is a, is a good thing to do. So thanks for, for joining. Uh, so good to hear. I've been listening to that song for a while now. It just came out this year, uh, but, um, but I've been listening to it like, oh man, I want to hear lots of voices singing that. And it was good to hear lots of voices singing that this morning. So, uh, thankful uh, for a number of things. You know, when uh, I think especially we, we sing even in that song about fighting battles and recognizing that as we look ahead to the future, there's all sorts of things we don't know. But when I have conversations about the future, people usually express concern and often fear. People look at like the next generation, looking at our kids or grandkids and saying, What's it going to be like for them? It seems like we're already starting to live in scary times. And what if it gets worse rather than better as it looks like it might? We look around us and we see just a breakdown of the family, a lack of respect for authority, tough economic times, a devaluing of human life, sin not just being tolerated but something to be proud of. Violence is escalating. Mental health issues are a struggle for many. Sin runs rampant not only outside of the church, but within the church. And so we're probably rightly concerned for the next generation. A question we might ask is, how is it that they're going to hold on to keep the faith in scary times? Well, today we start an eight-week series looking at a letter to a young pastor in a large church in a major city in the Roman Empire in the mid-60s. I'm not talking like mid-60s like Beatles and Bee Gees. I'm talking like mid-60s like 60 uh, something. So this is about 2,000 years ago. And the times then, they were scary and about to get a whole lot scarier. Persuasive false teachers surrounded this young pastor. That he, yes, had an opportunity to try to convince people of the truth of the gospel, but how was he supposed to do that when people were hearing so many other messages from so many other persuasive teachers? Persecution was pressing in and intensifying. The road ahead looked for Christians especially to be filled with suffering. Things weren't going to get better, they were going to get worse. So how could this young man, prone to fear, keep the faith himself? How is he going to hold on, let alone help his whole church to hold on? Well, that's the setting of the letter. Imagine the encouragement then when somebody lets Timothy know that a trusted mentor, a faithful friend, a father figure in many ways to him had written him a letter. And this father figure was the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, well, he had been through a thing or two himself. He had endured numerous beatings. He had been imprisoned multiple times now, likely on his second imprisonment in Rome, with his execution just weeks or months ahead. But Paul, in the midst of those scary times, has been a man who has kept the faith. He has not 
shrunk back in any way, and he's writing a letter to his beloved child in the faith, Timothy, to warn him, to exhort him, and to encourage him. I am very grateful that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write every one of these words to Timothy. And I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit has worked in such a way that these words have been preserved, not just to, not just to Timothy, but also for us. This is good, and I'm looking forward to spending eight weeks in this book together. So today we're going to look at the first seven verses of 2 Timothy chapter 1. They're filled with thanksgiving and encouragement. Warnings are going to come, but here we have lots of thanksgiving and encouragement. And my hope is that God will use these words to spur us on to be people who are filled with thanksgiving, and also that these words would serve as a reminder of the need that we have to give God thanks, to pray for, and to encourage one another. So, if you're able to, would you stand as we read the very Word of God? We need help, so let's pray first. Father, we've already prayed, we've already sung, and we come in prayer again because I know that as I open my mouth, there's all sorts of uh, opportunity for Uh, me to mess things up. But God, I thank you that you, every word you say is true, and that you, through through your servant Paul, had this letter written to Timothy. We know that we can trust every single one of your words, so help us to be people who trust your word and who are today encouraged by your word, that we would be built up, and that we would then turn around and see the opportunities given for us to build others up. Please do that for our good, for the good of others, and for your glory here today in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, God's Word says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason... I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Amen. You can be seated. Inside your bulletin, there is a sermon notes page, and so if that's helpful for you, you can follow along there. The first point that you'd see there is this. A personal letter to a beloved child. In many ways, this greeting that we see, these first two verses, which are basically a greeting, in many ways they're familiar if you've read others of Paul's letters, but I don't want us to miss a couple of important things that I think we notice in there. One, we we notice that this is a letter from Paul to Timothy. We notice that. Another thing to notice, though, is is really kind of a a follow-up of where we were at last week when we did a baptism and looked together at Romans chapter 6 and talked about how new life, the new life that's been given to all who trust in Jesus, is, is in many ways a life of union with Christ. 
Though we were separated by our sin, we have been united with Christ by faith. And we see that here again in this greeting. In chapter 1, verse 1 of 2 Timothy, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Again, new life in Christ Jesus. This is, this is what Paul has experienced, and this is what Timothy has experienced. And so he's starting out the letter with this common ground. They are holding on together to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, union with Christ. The other thing I want us to notice is this special relationship that the two of them have. Note the way that Paul refers to Timothy here. He says, to Timothy, my beloved child. This is a relationship that goes back probably about 15 years by the time that Paul is writing this. And Paul calls Timothy his beloved child, not because he is his biological or adopted father, but because they have a personal relationship. Paul, who was a single man and had no children, and Timothy, who had a dad who was not a believer, were a great pair. Right? Paul, single guy, no children. Timothy, a believer whose dad was not a believer. And so this special relationship forms between the two of them. They work together on the mission field. You can read about this in the book of Acts. They did that back when Timothy was very young. He's still relatively young. But now, as Paul continued on his missionary travels, he left Timothy to pastor the church in Ephesus. So a young pastor in a major city leading a large church. And stuff has gotten worse for Paul, and stuff's about to get worse for all Christians everywhere. So Paul writes this letter. What does the body of it say? Here's point number two. Paul remembers, prays, and gives thanks to God. Paul remembers, prays, and gives thanks to God. It's not abnormal for Paul to start his letters. If you just go through Paul's letters, and by the way, they're all put together in Scripture. Okay, So we get Romans is the first letter of Paul that we have, and you just go through 13 letters uh, that Paul wrote, and they're just all together in your Bible. So you can look at the introductions, the greetings in most of them, and he often begins with a word of thanksgiving to God. And he does that again here. I've been trying, I don't know, maybe you've noticed, maybe you haven't. I've been trying for the last few months, kind of modeling after this, that I start every time I'm going to preach, I just want to express something that I'm thankful for, right? Uh, That's a great way to start a day, right? Great way to start a sermon, great way to start a letter. He just, I'm thankful to God for this, right? So, So that's what we see in verses 3 through 5 there at the beginning. Those of you that were in the Second Timothy Bible study on Monday and Wednesday noticed the repetition of the word. In these seven verses, we see some form of the word remember or remind four times in seven verses. Three of them are in verses 3 through 5. What is Paul remembering? And what's Paul giving thanks for? Let's look. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. Paul likely just referring to the fact that he has this faith that, that he shares with those uh, of, of Jewish lineage, right? That, that all of their faith was leading up to this Messiah, Jesus, who has come. This is a faith that Paul has. And then he says, as I remember you. Who's you? Timothy, right? Paul remembers Timothy 
And what is Paul doing when he remembers Timothy? Two things. He's thanking God, right? I thank God when I remember you, and also I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. So, so as Paul remembers Timothy, he is thanking God for Timothy, and he's praying for Timothy. All right, verse 4. Another reminder. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Paul and Timothy separated now by years and by many miles, but there's a memory that Paul has that God brings to Paul's mind. I remember your tears, Timothy. Might be referring to, remember in the book of Acts when Paul was leaving the elders in Ephesus? There's just this over and over again. We see a deep bond uh, that's formed between brothers in Christ. And certainly Timothy and Paul shed tears as they parted one another. Paul remembers Timothy's tears. And Paul's in his last days and he knows it. And he wants to be with people that he loves. And he's stuck in Rome. And so he's writing this letter and he tells Timothy, he's just, look at how blunt he is. As I remember your tears, I long to see you. He's not, he's not like, oh, I'm a manly man. I don't tell people I need him. No, he just tells him, I remember your tears and I long to see you that my joy may be complete. It makes me really, really happy to be with you. How encouraging this must have been to young Timothy. I bet not everybody in a church would have said the same thing. Verse Five, another reminder. I am reminded of your sincere faith. He's reminded of Timothy, so he gives God thanks and he prays for him. He's reminded of Timothy's tears. He longs to be with him. And then he's reminded of Timothy's sincere faith. And he even remembers some of Timothy's family history. It was a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. In Bible study this week, we went back and we looked at Acts chapter 16, and we found there that Timothy's dad was a Greek, and presumably from what we read here, not a believer. So he's being raised by one parent who's a believer and another who's not. But he had a faithful grandma and a faithful mom. How many of you had a grandma or mom who loved Jesus? Praise God for that good gift, right? That's the kind of gift that Timothy had. And so we see this, this trend. God is bringing all sorts of things to Paul's mind. He remembers Timothy, so he gives God thanks and he prays for him. He remembers Timothy's tears and he expresses to Timothy by writing a letter, Oh, I long to see you. He, he remembers Timothy's sincere faith and he seeks to encourage him in that don't you guess? I mean, I love that Paul then writes him a letter. He lets him know, you're my beloved child. Do you think Timothy maybe read this more than once? Right? Like he didn't just kind of read through it quick like, oh, that was nice. Good to hear from Paul. No, I bet, I bet this poor guy struggling in this environment read this over and over and over again. Do you think this was useful for Paul to encourage Timothy to keep the faith? in the midst of a tough time with tougher times coming? Well, in verses 3 through 5, 
Paul is reminded about Timothy. And then uh, those that were in Bible study, that's why we study the Bible together as a group. I hope, <laughs> this is I'm dangerous to put this out there, I hope my sermons are better these next few weeks because I'm studying ahead of time with like 40 people. Uh, 40 people see stuff better than like me or Pastor Nick see stuff, Right? And so I'm grateful for the way that in studying the Word together, we see some things, and there's this break, I think, between verse 5 and verse 6. And one of the ways we see that is he begins with this phrase, for this reason, for this reason. What's he talking about? He's referring back to something. What reason? Well, I think really he's talking most immediately about Timothy's sincere faith, because that's what we see in verse 5. But I think really he's talking about all of it. Everything he's written so far. For, for this reason, then what? I remind you. Okay, so three times Paul's been reminded of something. Now, Paul is the one doing the reminding. For this reason, I remind you. What is he reminding Timothy to do? To fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul is likely here referring back to a time when Timothy was set apart or ordained or commissioned for his ministry as an elder or pastor in the church. And so Paul and other leaders would have laid their hands on him as a recognition of God gifting him for the work of pastoral ministry, right? So we don't know much more specifically what this gift is. It just seems like it's a gift for pastoral ministry. And Paul reminds him of that. For this reason, I remind you. And then he uses this, this word, fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into flame. Or maybe your translation says rekindle. How many of you had a bonfire already sometime this summer? Been at a bonfire sometime this summer? And sometimes the fire starts to go out. You know, like for a while there's flames and it's going. And then after a while, like this is perfect for s'mores, right? It's down to just some, some burning hot coals and embers. And so you've, you've roasted a marshmallow, hopefully brown. Some of you like it black. I don't know what's wrong with you. Brown is, brown is good for a s'mores, right? So you've, you've roasted your marshmallow. You've, you've, that's, that's not even the best part. The best part is the chocolate, and it's in there, right? And so, so you're eating this thing, but then you're like, man, that was really good. And so maybe you do another one, but then, like, I still want to hang out with these people around the fire. And right now, the fire is just these kind of glowing embers. Well, you can get the fire going again, can't you? Like, if you've got a paper plate that you've been putting your s'mores on, you can just start, like, waving the paper plate and giving some oxygen to those embers. And pretty soon you could have a flame as you rekindle the fire, fan it into flame, something that was once there but is in danger of dying out, right? And so Paul writing to Timothy is telling Timothy, listen, I recognize because of the situation all around you and because of what's going on in your own broken heart, Timothy, that it's about to die out. Fan it into flame, brother. Right? It's not time to, to leave the fire yet. Fan it into flame. So, oh man, I just think of how easy it would have been for Timothy as a young man who seems, if you read the rest, by the way, uh, well, let, let's keep going. Verse 7, for God gave us a spirit 
not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So after Paul telling Timothy, fan this thing into flame. God called you to this ministry. Don't let it die out. And then we get this specific encouragement. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So he's setting up a contrast, right? What you've received from God is not just the gift of God for pastoral ministry, Timothy. You've also received from God the Spirit. Now, you might notice differently if you have different translations. Uh, go ahead and put the next one up there, Josiah. So, so this is the ESV. The one below it is the NIV. And you'll notice there a difference. They, they put a capital S on Spirit. The way that ESV translate makes it sound like it's just a general attitude or a spirit of, you know, like people's, like, oh, her spirits are good, that kind of spirit. But, but there's also a recognition that oftentimes when we're talking about things like fear and power and love and self-control, that we're referring to the Holy Spirit, and we can't tell from the way that Paul wrote it which it is. So some translations say, oh, he's talking about you've been given the Holy Spirit, and others are saying you've just been given a spirit. And, and that's fine for them to translate it either way because we just, we don't know. But the translators had to make a decision. Either way, though, these are gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he makes this contrast. What does the Holy Spirit give to his people? Fear? No. Right? Not of fear. Fear, this was a term uh, that, that would often be used in a military context. That is, that is, given of those who, in the face of battle, see that, uh, I'm not sure I can do this, and they shrink back. Just say, I'm, I'm out. Right? And, and Paul is reminding young Timothy, Timothy, that's not the spirit that's been given you. Not the spirit of fear that, that looks at something hard and says, all right, I'm out. But one that says, something different. What instead? Well, not a spirit of fear. There's other spots that we look at, and I think you can see it in 2 Timothy as well, where it seems that Timothy is a young man who struggles with a lack of confidence, with fear, with timidity, and anxiety. Anybody else like relate to this guy, right? That's who Paul is writing to. And Paul's encouragement isn't just, hey, buck up, boy. It's a reminder of what the Spirit has given him. I've, uh, so one of the things I'm doing this summer is helping to coach uh, Mariah's softball team. Um, and, uh, you know, I love baseball and softball because you fail like 70% of the time and you're still doing pretty good. Um, that's why I love that. Um, but, uh, you know, thinking about, thinking about coaching a little bit, um, Think of the, the phrases that you say over and over again when you're coaching. Just trying to encourage people. Like, they're up to bat, and it's not going well. Uh, and often it doesn't go well. And it, but, like, just hollering out, like, hey, you got this. You got this, right? Like, you just need to you don't need to say, like, you don't have a player in your team swing and miss. Like, oh, come on. Like, that doesn't help. Like, what? Come on. You might as well just give up now. Just call the strikeout on Just like, bring them back to the dugout. You can't hit the ball. Like, you don't do that, right? You look at them and you say, like, hey, you got this. Hey, I know, I know this one's pitching fast, but, but you've hit fast stuff before. Like, you're reminding them. Like, we've worked on this. 
That's what I see Paul doing with Timothy, reminding him of what he's been given. Like I said, you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. Timothy, the Holy Spirit gives you power to do what God calls you to do. Timothy, the Holy Spirit gives you, part of the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? That, that you're going to do the things that God calls you to do with the kind of love that is necessary to do them. Self-control. Timothy, if you want people to respect you as a young man, you're going to have to live a self-controlled, self-disciplined life. And praise be to God, that's not totally up to you. That's a gift. That's a fruit of the Spirit working its way out in you, Timothy. Aren't you grateful that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy in the midst of a scary time? I am. There's a lot of directions that we could go with application for this, but as I was studying this, as we were studying it together, I just kept seeing Paul remembering Timothy and, and responding to those rememberings by thanking God for him, praying for him, encouraging him, and that's where we're going to go with the application today. Okay? When it comes to application, we want it to be tied to the text, uh, but we can go in different directions. Here's what I'm thinking today. As we remember people we love, we should give God thanks and pray for them. You ever get that where it's just like somebody just pops into your mind? Like, I wonder why they just popped into my mind. It might be like even at a time where like, well, that's, that's an odd kind of time. Like, I'm just trying to sleep and this person pops into my mind. I'm just doing what I normally do and this person pops into my mind. Maybe it's somebody that you don't even know very well. Or maybe it's somebody that you know really, really well, and you're not with them, but your mind keeps going back to them. Maybe your first reaction is to worry on the behalf of somebody else. I know they're in a tough situation, and so I think about them, and then I just start worrying for them. What if instead we just did what Paul does here? As Paul has Timothy come to his mind, he remembers him, and what does he do? He thanks God for him, and he prays for him. He thanks God for him, and he prays for him. As you think of somebody, it's good to give God thanks for them, right? Uh, you recognize that Paul recognizes that Timothy was a gift to him. Not just like a, a partner in gospel ministry, but, but like a beloved child kind of gift. And so it's right, isn't it, when we get a gift that we give God thanks. Yesterday was my birthday, and so I got some gifts, Right? And that would have been pretty cold of me to just like get the gifts from my family and just like, all right. right. I want to be a guy that when I get gifts, I'm like, oh, who gave this to me? Right? I remember when you, maybe if you, if you have little kids, you remember when kids are little, they get a gift at like Christmas or something, they just kind of rip it open and like, ah, and they're excited. Like, did you look and see who it was from? Uh-uh. Right? They don't even know who to thank because they don't know who it was from. Right? We know who all good gifts are from, and so it's right. As God calls people to mind, let's give God thanks for the good gifts, including and especially the people that he puts in our lives. So give God thanks for them. And then when you give God thanks for them, how encouraging is it for you to let them know, like, I care about you. Like, God brought you to my mind. So some of you know, oh man, I'm trying to think of who was there. There's a number of people gone today, but uh, uh, man, it was, well, it would have been Eight years ago, eight years ago, a number of us went on a little uh, regional missions trip to Johnny and Friends camp. 
uh, and many of us got paired up one-on-one with a person that had some special needs. I got paired up with a young man named Brady, who was 18 at the time. I, this guy is 26 years old now. Every two or three weeks, just sends me a text. I've been thinking about you, uh, and, and then I love you, brother. Just sends me a text to let me know that he loves me. Did it again on my birthday. Happy birthday. Love you, brother. Been thinking about you. Uh, and we just have a little conversation back and forth via text message. How encouraging is that? Just a short little text. It takes Brady just a few seconds to think about that. He calls me one of his texting buddies. Right? What a gift. Let's be that for someone. Give God thanks. Uh, even more specifically, as we remember people we love, we encourage them by reminding them what God has given them. That's what Paul did for Timothy, right? Maybe you do this by writing a letter like Paul did to Timothy. Right? That's what Paul did. It wasn't easy to do that. But Wi-Fi was notoriously bad in Roman prisons, right? And he didn't have an unlimited data plan because they took his phone away and stuff. So he had to write an actual letter like parchment and ink and find somebody to get it to him. And so maybe just a very practical application of the opening of this letter is like, hey, I need to write a letter to somebody. Somebody that maybe throughout the sermon or after the sermon God will bring to your mind like, oh, I remember that person. I'm going to give God thanks for them. I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to write them a letter letting them know what I thank God for and how I prayed for them. That would be a great application of this. Something I did this week. And by the way, like, so I did that with a few texts and I did it with one actual handwritten letter. That, that, it's encouraging to be encouraging. You know, like that, that just even me taking time to do that built me up. And hopefully it was helpful for the people to whom I send messages. But however you do it, I hope you follow Paul's lead. Notice how Paul was specific. Paul said, these are the gifts that God has given you, and reminding him of those things. I love that Paul is not, again, too manly, excuse me, to express to Timothy that he just loves him. He calls him my beloved child. Maybe it's not your custom, because like, well, it's not the family I came from. We We don't tell people we love them. Okay, (laughs) start a new tradition, right? Let's do that. Like, I don't think you're going to get to the end of your life like, man, you know what I regret? I told that person I loved them way too much. I just, what a waste of my words, right? But but I think you could get to the end and say, man, I wish I would have told them more often that I love them. Paul told Timothy, you're my beloved child. I, I remember your tears and I long to see you, that my joy may be complete. Right? Like, it makes me happy to see you. Do, you. do other people know that? Like, when you just get together with them, do you let them know? Like, it makes me happy to see you. I try to end most of my conversations with people by just saying, man, it's good to see you. Right? Like, we want, we want people to know. Like, it is good to know you and to be with you and to talk with you. Maybe as you write a letter, you find a way to encourage somebody specifically in their faith. You remind them what God has given them. This world is scary and tough, and it's easy for us to be people who shrink back in fear and cowardice. We need encouragement from people who love Jesus and love us. So I love what Paul does with Timothy. He says, oh, you've been given this gift, Timothy. Fan that into flame, buddy. 
Bible studies on Wednesday nights are going to be led by different leaders. One of the reasons we're doing Bible study this way is that we want different people to have a chance to just lead a Bible study. I hope that you encourage those people that step up and lead. Like, man, thanks for walking us through the Word tonight. These church are not times to shrink back. The times we live in, they're scary and they might be getting worse. I don't know, but it's not time to let someone else step up. Fan your gifts into flame once again. Paul is getting old. He's in prison. He's about to be executed, but he's not all about living the American dream retirement and telling Timothy, I'm done, your turn. We want to be a church who encourages one another to press on, to keep the faith in scary times. That's why I'm grateful. We're just, we're, it's not coincidental we're starting to sing that song as we're walking through 2 Timothy, right? Fighting a battle that you've already won. No matter what comes my way, I'll overcome. I don't know what you're doing, God, but I know what you've done. Like Paul and Timothy can hold on to that. We can hold on to that. And then that bridge, I know how this story ends. We'll be with you again. Like this, like, oh, it's getting worse. Yeah, it is. And then it's going to get way, way better than you've ever known, right? And so I know how this story ends. It's a good thing to be reminded of and to sing. That's going to be a good journey through this letter. If you haven't joined us for Bible study, join us this week. We'll do the same thing on Monday morning as we do on Wednesday night. So if one works in your schedule one week and not the other, like just come to one or the other. Love to have you join us. Monday, Wednesday, uh, people of any age, uh, I don't know who, I, I didn't ask. I don't know who the oldest person we had was, but I think the youngest was going to be in like fourth grade or something. So uh, yeah, uh, you can join us, maybe third grade. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that you would, by your Spirit that's been given to all of us who are in Christ, that you would empower us, that you would embolden us, that you would encourage us to be people who keep the faith, to press on in scary times. Help us not to be people who would shrink back in fear, but we want to be people who move forward in gospel ministry with spirit-given power and love and self-control. Help us to love others well by encouraging them. And we know that we're going to be motivated to love people in that way because we are people who have been loved deeply by you. So God, thank you for your love for us that we see most clearly in Christ. It's a love that surpasses the love that anybody else could give to us and we are grateful to be recipients of it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are able, will you please...